This is episode number 356, Embracing Change and Prioritizing Self-Care with corporate wellness expert, Crystal Bauer. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about high performance and well-being, and I'm your host, Sonia. And if you're new around here, I am a world and multi-time national champion in mountain biking, and I still race professionally. I'm a health and mental performance coach, a writer, a mom of two little kids, and I own my own business. And if you're not new around here, welcome. I'm so glad that you're back, and I'm so grateful that you are a part of this awesome community and that we get to learn and grow together. So I started to get more interested in psychology, and you know, I had been working in integrative psychiatry, so just thinking about what are maybe some of the patterns that I had, which don't serve me? And then reclaiming my power to choose again and to be able to choose a new path. And I think it was just a big aha moment for me, like get off the hamster wheel. You don't have to just keep doing the same thing over and over. Like we all have a choice. Sometimes we forget that or we don't realize that because we're so busy, but you know, we can always choose again. We can always approach things in a new way. We can perceive things in a new way. We can interpret things in a new way. So yeah, I think it was just all of the above, but really that pivotal time for me was in alignment with some of that, that really hard time with my mom. I'm really excited about today's episode because it's about making big changes in your life. And personally, I was touched by Crystal's story because I could see myself in her story a little bit. And I think that is why a lot of us love hearing stories because we can see parallels between ourselves and other people, and then that makes us stronger. So I'm gonna tell you a little bit about Crystal, and then I'm gonna tell you how this is relevant to things that I've done, and maybe you can think of how it's relevant to things that you've done too. So how does our experience at work impact how we thrive in life? Well, Crystal Bauer is a former clinician turned entrepreneur, speaker, and podcast host. Crystal joins us to share her powerful insights on corporate wellness, leadership, mindset, performance, personal development, and success. Together, we uncover the connection between individual priorities and overall well-being and how it impacts work and career development. As a host of the Living Greatly podcast and founder of a company under the same name, Crystal realized the power of positive spaces and wanted to help people create and enjoy vibrant company cultures. Crystal's experience in integrative psychiatry and integrative medicine offer her a unique perspective to team building, mental well-being, helping people unlock high power habits and peak performance. In this eye-opening episode, we delve into Crystal's path from being a physician assistant to a wellness expert and the big life changes that shifted her perspective. We discuss the importance of embracing a mindset shift around self-care and the challenges of balancing achievement with personal wellness. So you might see some parallels in your own life. And for me, I have my master's degree in electrical engineering, and I really wanted to become a professional mountain biker. And I had to make the leap and leave the hard work that I had put in in school and in my career as an engineer to become a professional mountain biker, much like Crystal had to shift from her career as a physician's assistant to a wellness expert. And we're both really passionate about integrative medicine. My national board certification in health and wellness coaching is all about integrative medicine. And in fact, I did my program under the Vanderbilt University School of Integrative Medicine to receive the training in order to sit for this board certification. So you're gonna see a lot of interesting parallels and takeaways in today's podcast, including the problem with some self-care routines that we have. It can become way too complicated and it's no longer self-care. We talked about managing opinions of others and how that impacts your confidence. 
We talked about some of her biggest takeaways since starting her podcast, which she has been very successful at. And we also talked about tackling time management, something that many of us will struggle with at times, and it's interesting to hear how she approaches it. We also dig into some personal anecdotes, real-world examples, and testimonials, providing valuable advice and inspiration for those seeking to make a positive change in their own lives and careers. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you head over to my Instagram, at Sonia Looney, where I share tidbits from the podcast and from my life that relates to everything high-performance and well-being. I also have a newsletter that I send out about once a month about high performance and well-being with an article that I write and some key podcast episodes that you don't want to miss. You can get that at sonyalooney.com slash newsletter. So let's get into it. Here is Crystal Bauer. It's so fun to meet you, Crystal, and to dive into your story because I think a lot of the reasons why people love podcasts and people love speakers like yourself is that they can see themselves in somebody else's story. And as I was learning about you, I could definitely feel, you know, a, a sense of relatability with you. So I guess my first question is, you know, a lot of us wear many hats in our lives. How would you describe yourself and what you do to somebody? Ooh, good question, Sonia. Well, thank you for having me, first off. Super excited to be here. Um, well, the hats that I have worn have definitely changed and um huge shift for me probably over the past six years. But currently, I am a mom, a wife, and, you know, family, friends, all that's incredibly important to me. And also, um, I'm a speaker. So I do a lot of speaking around wellness topics, corporate wellness, and I left clinical practice. So I was officially trained as a physician assistant. So kind of went through this traditional medical training, got my master's, practiced as a PA in some different areas of medicine. Um, and then I practiced in integrative psychiatry for for a bit, and I furthered my education. I became an integrative medicine fellow with Dr. Andrew Wiles' program through uh, University of Arizona. And when I graduated from that, I, I knew I wanted to branch out. I wanted to just get away from the one-on-one -on -one clinical. I wanted to reach a wider audience, wanted to share my message kind of for a larger group. Um, so that's when I started my my company, Live Greatly, which is an educational platform to help inspire and motivate and help people have um, well-being and happiness and success in their personal and professional lives. So that takes on a few different forms, but currently it's the speaking business. And then I also have a podcast called Live Greatly. And um, yeah, those are the big things and just trying to reach people and help them just reignite their spark, find more happiness and meaning and fulfillment in their lives. I love that. And the world definitely needs more of that. And something that kind of came to mind is that, so one way that I was you know, looking at you and saying, oh, that I, I relate to her is I almost went to PA school. I, I have my master's in engineering and I was like, I don't want to do this. And I went back to school, did all the pre-med stuff, did all the volunteer work, went to visit yeah. schools, was going to was going to apply. And then my mountain bike racing started going well. So I ended up never going to PA school. But the reason why I wanted to go was because I wanted to help people find better wellness in their lives. Yeah. And it's so interesting how you can do that in many different ways. And it, it sounds like you decided intentionally to walk away from being a physician's assistant and into this new role. So, you know, making that decision, I'm sure wasn't an easy one because there's the sunk cost of all the time and the income that you were probably making, you know, easier than starting your own business. So can yeah. you tell me about that transition? Well, what was interesting for me was I feel like my life has different chapters. I think we all kind of have different chapters in our lives, but there was the pre-children era <laughs> where, uh, you know, I was in some different areas of medicine 
wellness as a whole and well-being as a whole, oddly enough, uh, as a PA, it wasn't huge on my radar. I think I was much more tapped into the like the disease management system at that point and and you're treating a condition and and kind of more textbook, I guess, based on my clinical experience and what I had been trained at in school. And then when I became pregnant, my views on that shifted. I started to think about how I was treating myself, how I was taking care of my body and all the different elements that go into wellness and well-being and, and all the rest of it. So that was kind of my my start into motherhood and getting more into uh, I mean, maybe a more holistic view of health, right? It's not just like, oh, you have a condition and you treat it. It's like, oh, there are so many things that go into our happiness and our mental health and our physical health and, and all of it. So then after... I had my, our first daughter. I was home with our kids for six years. So um, I did the stay-at-home mom thing. Then I went back and, you know, I, like I said, I practiced in integrative psychiatry. So I had like a taste of all of these different worlds. And at that point, I had gotten to know myself better. So I started to really understand what I was good at what I naturally gravitated towards, what I loved, what stressed me out, you know, all those things that sometimes we aren't paying attention to when you're just going through the motions. And for me at that point, when I was working uh, or, or I had been home with our kids and my mom had a, a stage four cancer diagnosis. So that was really hard, really eye-opening, really shocking. And it made me kind of took the layers off fear in some ways about failure, fear of not doing the right thing or making the wrong choice. I just was like, you know what? We have one life and I want to live it well. And I want to make sure that I am really trying to reach my ultimate potential. Whatever I'm here to do, I want to be able to, to try my hardest to have an impact, to live a fulfilling life, to inspire my children, to be there for friends and family and help others too. And so that just, it took away, I guess, the fear of making a big shift in my life. So when I had been practicing clinically and I had this level of awareness about myself and, and I guess some of my talents, what I liked, what I didn't like, I realized that the clinical practice for me at that point was really draining. It was, it was the one-on-one -on -one for me. I was, I was caring at home, even if I, I had great self-care, I had great stress management, you know, I was checking all the boxes. I'd been doing my integrative medicine fellowship. Like I knew all of the things, right? All of the things you're supposed to do. But what it came down to was that just wasn't the right fit for me. And I realized I had been teaching a little bit. I did a class for a, a master's program where I got my master's as a PA. And I taught this group of PA students and I finished and I felt different. I was like, wow, I feel like lighter. I don't, I feel like that was really, I it felt really good, really invigorating. And that was an aha moment for me. I feel really different now than I do when I'm finished at the end of the day of seeing patients back to back. So that started to just get the wheels turning about like, maybe I need to think about making a shift. And then it was having people in my life who I guess helped me not be afraid to go for it. I felt supported. My husband and family, I felt like they had my back. Um, my integrative medicine fellowship, I was with some incredible physicians and healthcare providers who were like, yeah, like go for it, you know? So I think it was more being surrounded by people who supported me and then having the courage to try and be like, you know what? I, I'm going to follow 
I guess my passion and this, this idea I have where I think I can really figure it out as I go. And, um, it's been great. I mean, it's not all, it's definitely not easy by any means, but when you, I think when you're passionate about something, when there's a purpose and a drive and a a personal mission behind what you're doing, it makes it all worth it. And it makes it much more exciting and fun. Yeah, I think something interesting that people assign to happiness is that it's always easy. And there's so many different types of happiness. And the type of happiness, the eudaimonia, where you feel meaning and purpose doesn't mean that it always feels good in the moment. Yeah. But it's like a deeper sense of fulfillment. Totally. It helps manage those setbacks and challenges, which are a part of life, part of any career. There's going to be setbacks and challenges and bumps in the road. Um, you have to be resilient, but it's it's so much easier to do when you feel like I am on the right path. You know, this is like part of what resonates with me, my core values. And I um, totally agree with that. It sounds like you have, you know, a strong intuition and mind-body connection because you said you were checking all the boxes for self-care while you were a PA. And a lot of people might resonate with this. Like, I'm doing all these things too, but I, I still don't feel good in my life. Yeah. And that you were aware enough of how you felt after you taught. So like, where did you learn this mind-body connection to be that intuitive, to know how these things were affecting you? I Again, I didn't, I didn't always have that. Definitely not. Definitely did not always have that. I started to pay again more attention to some of this stuff when I was pregnant. And I started just to think about well-being and wellness as a whole. I started practicing yoga here and there. I just started to dabble, let's say. Can I, like, can I interrupt for a sec? What is it about being pregnant that made you look in the mirror and say, wait a second, like I might be doing things differently in the future? I was thinking about someone other than myself. It just, it, it raised the level of, I guess, importance on me taking care of me. It wasn't just about me. You know, it was about, you know, our children and our family. So it, it raised the stakes, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just, I think it, it had a whole new meaning, a whole new level to it. And I really wanted to be a great example for our kids. And yeah, it just opened my eyes in a lot of ways. I don't know. I think it, I grew up in, in the best way possible with, with that. But yeah, I, I think so. I started to just become more aware about that. And then honestly, a lot of shifts in my life happened around the time when my mom had her diagnosis because I just, I think I had a, a deeper spiritual connection throughout that. And I really did a lot of soul searching around that and um, was looking into all different areas of medicine and, um, all, and it helped me do some of that personal inner work with myself in regards to, okay, where am I holding myself back? What are maybe some limiting beliefs I've never even thought of, or I didn't, they weren't on my radar. So I started to get more interested in psychology and, you know, I had been working in integrative psychiatry. So just thinking about what are maybe some of the patterns that I had, which don't serve me. And then reclaiming my power to choose again and to be able to choose a new path. And I think it was just a big aha moment for me, like get off the hamster wheel. You don't have to just keep doing the same thing over and over. Like we all have a choice. Sometimes we forget that or we don't realize that because we're so busy, but you know, we can always choose again. We can always approach things in a new way. We can perceive things in a new way. We can interpret things in a new way. So yeah, I think it was just all of the above, but really that pivotal time for me was in alignment with some of that, that really hard time with my mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something that I wanted to just bring up and poke out a little bit is that yeah. when you said when I was pregnant is whenever I started changing the way that I viewed how I take care of myself because it impacts more than just me. 
And I think a lot of parents after their kids are born or moms after they are no longer pregnant, stop taking care of themselves in the same way that they were when they were pregnant, because they don't have the baby inside them anymore. But I would argue and I'm a big advocate for taking care of yourself. And it's not selfish to want if you want to go for a mountain bike ride, for example, and you have kids like that's okay. So you know, how do you practice in your life now, you know, you have a lot going on, you have kids to continue to say, wait a second, I'm taking care of myself, but I'm doing it. Number one, yes, because I deserve it, but also because this impacts more than just me. Totally. Right. I know if you don't take care of yourself, like you're not going to be able to show up as the best version of you for your kids or at work or for your family or for your friends and all of the above. But that's a mindset shift. I think it's um, getting out of the mentality like it's selfish. It's not selfish. I think it's smart. And you have to just be aware, number one, if you're feeling that way. And and if you're thinking that way about situations, if you're feeling like, oh, this is really selfish, if I take a carve out a piece of time to work out or so recognize like that is not a fact. So that's just a thought that pops in your head and maybe a belief that's there and doesn't make it true. So it's, does that serve you? And then it's trying to, I guess, go down a path where you're really supporting your health and then you're setting an example for your kids. So another thing too, with, with our family, like we're a very active family. So I, I try and incorporate uh, movement and exercise just into the family dynamic. You know, and now that our kids are older, so like on the weekends, I'll be like, anybody want to go on a run with me? You know, stuff like that, where it's trying to include them as well. But yeah, I think it just comes down to that mindset and having awareness. If you do find yourself feeling guilty about taking time for yourself, recognizing that that's not true. So you started your podcast, Live Greatly, like you're a public speaker, you're a writer, and there's lots of these things that will start. Some people have difficulty starting. But after you start, I think is actually the harder part because starting it's new, it's exciting. You know, you you see immediate improvement yeah. because it's a new thing. So from a consistency and sustainability piece, how have you tackled that part whenever maybe things aren't moving as quickly as they were right when you first started? Oh my gosh, such a good question. I thought it was going to be so much easier, Sonia. It was one of those things where I'm like, oh, you know, this is going to happen. I thought it was going to happen much faster. Let's say that, you know, getting to where I am now. I thought that that this would have been within the first year, you know, but that's just not how it works. It really takes time to build relationships, build platforms. But I had someone on my show early on that said, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And they had started a business and a company and that helped, you know, um, getting insight from others in business helped recognizing it Mm -hmm. takes time. And for me, as I said, like I felt really connected to what I was doing. I felt like I I was following my passion. I was really excited about it. And so I knew I just had to give it the time it deserved to see what it could turn into. So I think we were, were I was thankful that we were in a position where um, you know, my husband is bringing regular income. Like we were in a position where we could do that, where not everybody can. So very like thankful for that. But I think it just was that, again, that level of knowing, like I'm, I'm on the right path. But that said, I did have to fine tune along the way. Like when I first started, I th- I felt like I was putting way too many things out there. I wasn't quite sure what to focus on. So I was like dabbling in a lot of different things. I had a really wide net. And then with experience and time, I was able to really kind of narrow it down and focus more on what made sense from like a business perspective, what made sense from a time management perspective. So big learning curve for me, big learning curve. But I was thankful that I really 
was part of it every step of the way. And I don't know if you do like your own podcast editing and all that, but like every step of the way with the marketing and the podcast, like I learned how to do it. I ran with it. I uh, messed up and then I, I would tweak it. I would adjust it. So it's just, it's been fun, hard sometimes, but fun. Yeah. It sounds like it's really important to really enjoy the process itself instead of focusing on, well, in one year I'm going to be here or I'm going to, you know, maybe I'll feel this way about myself in one year and enjoying the learning process because it's going to always be that way. (laughs) Totally. And it's funny because I had set these goals for myself, right? Like I want to do a TEDx talk, for example, that was a goal I had had for myself. And then you, you achieve that and you reach that. And then it's like, oh, cool. But then it's not like this huge thing like you anticipate when you're starting out. Like when I started, that felt really far away or I felt like, oh, that's going to be a reach. And then you're there. And it's and sometimes I think it's things don't get celebrated as much when they're kind of drawn out. But it's that's why it's so important to enjoy the journey because those moments of achievement where you achieve that goal, that's short lived. You know, it's, it's like, it's really about, you have to love what you're doing because when you do achieve that goal, like, you know, that was exciting, but it wasn't like this huge, enormous pivotal moment that I had built it up to be in my head when I first set that goal for myself. Yeah. I think this is something that is very interesting and something I think about a lot as well, because of course, we have an idea of something that we want to become or you know, a direction that we want to go. And it does seem like a really big deal whenever you're setting that goal, but you grow as a person on your way to that achievement. So when you get it, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal anymore. Yes. Whereas if you reflect back to yourself, like everyone listening to just take a second, think back to yourself five years ago and think of where you are today. And I guarantee you some of those things that you've done, you're, you would you would if you were yourself five years ago today, that would be a huge deal. But who you are today is probably like, well, okay, what's next? Like that wasn't as satisfying as I was hoping it would be. I love what you said there. I think that that's a very uh, good way of explaining it. It's because you're not the same person when that goal happens, that you're different than when you set the goal. And I think that's spot on. It's like, it doesn't feel so far-fetched because you've been working towards that and you've been growing. Uh, But I, I do think that it's just sometimes taking those moments to reflect and to, to quiet down and to just give yourself that inner encouragement and that encouragement of like, I'm doing a good job, you know, like give yourself a pat on the back and be proud of yourself for where you are. And then, and then also um, take time to then give yourself that motivation for wherever it is that you're looking to move forward. Yeah. I think a lot of us don't take time to let those achievements land. Like I'm a coach and that's one of the biggest things that people really enjoy is actually taking the time each week that we meet to say what went well about last week, because many of us don't do that. So for you, like, how do you actually carve out that time or do you carve out that time? You know, I am not very structured anymore with this stuff. I used to be very structured as far as like self-care regimen and this amount of time in the morning for this. And then I'm going to do that. And I, I found, to be honest, that was stressing me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just being like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. And I realized that I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's shift that. Let's switch that up. So at this point now, I do take time for myself one way or another every single day. And I do carve out, even if it's two minutes, a little time first thing in the morning, a little time before it's like getting breakfast ready for the kids and all of that. And that is my time to just like sit and just be with myself, set my intentions for the day, express gratitude for where things are at. And I also do the same thing at night. 
So even again, if it's two, three minutes, sometimes it's, it's longer, but just having that moment to like take a breath and reflect a little bit. And um, that has really helped me. It's been a really grounding practice for me to stay connected to like my personal mission, who I am, what's really important, which it's easy to lose sight of that sometimes if things get busy and stressful. So yeah, definitely morning and night. And then um, sometimes vacations, I think like getting away can help me gain a higher perspective sometimes if um, I'm out of the environment that I'm in all the time. It helps me just reflect and get the bigger picture. Yeah. Like when you're in your environment, you're so busy doing. And then when you're on vacation, yeah. you're being so that you can appreciate the doing piece. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And thanks for pointing out that self-care routines can be blown way out of proportion. Like I actually think this is a big problem right now. Like on podcasts, people are always asking, you know, what's your morning routine and all and this and that. And yeah, these self-care routines that people have can become really stressful because everybody puts so much weight on them of, you know, this elaborate thing or you know, they wake up in the morning and they don't go on their phone first thing, which is, is great that people don't do that. But I think a lot of people do so that if you are doing that, then now you feel bad about yourself. Like you should be putting your phone in the other room and having the, the room at 67 degrees and like having, you know, all the things. And when self-care becomes stressful and feels like something you should do and a box you have to check off, it's actually not serving its purpose anymore. So thanks for pointing out that it doesn't need to be complex. It could be as simple as two minutes. Let me just have some gratitude from where I'm at. Or if it feels good, it can be this really long, complex thing. Oh my gosh, totally. I actually was just talking with a friend about this yesterday (laughs) and she was feeling a little bit overwhelmed about like all these changes. And she's like, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that. But I feel like I just want to do one thing at a time. I'm like, that is spot on. I went through this complete overwhelm of too much information when I was going through my training and I was working in this integrative psychiatry practice, which also was a functional medicine practice. So I was doing some training in functional medicine from A4M. Then I was doing my integrative medicine fellowship and all this information was coming in about your health and things that could be harmful, right? Things, environmental products you're using, food. And I was like, okay, we have to be we have to be perfect with all this. It's it, it like raised the bar of the level of harm all these things could cause. And I it started to make me feel anxious thinking about all these things that could potentially cause, you know, have carcinogenic properties or this or that. And I felt so stressed where I was trying to be perfect in all of these areas. And then I was able to put it all in perspective and like take a breath and just be like, all right, I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to make some changes here and there when they're accessible. And the way that I like to live now is like the majority of the time, I like to make good choices. I like to buy products that I think are good for me, good for our kids, good for our family, but there are going to be exceptions. There are going to be times where, you know, we don't eat well, or, you know, I use a product that I, I wouldn't normally want to use. And, and I'm, I just tell myself it's okay. I don't have to be perfect all the time. We don't have to be perfect all the time. We just have to try and do the best we can. And sometimes that's like one step at a time to move you closer to to where you want to be. Yeah, something I love to tell people is choose not to be perfect. Oh, I, yeah, right? I know. Per- being perfect, it just, it doesn't work. And it's, it's no it's fun. Just, <laughs> it's really stressful. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a question for you. You said that whenever you first started, you had a lot of different things on your mind, things that you loved, I think a first world problem is having too many options, too many opportunities, too many different ways you you could go in your life or in your business. So how did you narrow it down? 
Well, I think the issue there is I was very new. I, well, not even very, I was completely new to media, the media space and social media. I was not on social media before I started my business. I didn't have an Instagram account. I didn't have a LinkedIn account. I didn't start Facebook until I had had our son, like, which was that, that long ago. So I guess my point is I was not one to be like all tech savvy and on social and posting and sharing. And so for me, it was completely new as far as marketing and branding, figuring out the platforms. And so I was taking in a lot of information and trying to get, I guess, to learn uh, from all these different platforms. And there are so many different opinions about what to do and how to do it. And so I was trying a lot of things. It's like, oh, let's see if that works. Let's see if that works. So it was more for me, trial and error. It was finding my own way, getting some mentors who I trusted. I, in the beginning, you know, there's so many people coming at you. You're getting like your inbox flooded with like selling different things. And I can help you with this. I can help you with that. And so I really just um, found some people that I could trust that could help guide a little bit. I learned as I went, but um, yeah, definitely trial and error was the way that I have gotten to where I am now. Trial and error, being willing to fail, like you, I heard you say multiple times, like, oh, yeah. it, it's okay to fail. And when I had this big picture perspective with the unfortunate diagnosis of your mom, like it gave you a different perspective around failure. Right. Yeah, definitely did. And failure is something that um, I actually, I just had someone on my show who I loved what she said. And um, do you mind if I share who it is? Oh, yeah, please. Okay. Yeah. So I just had Alana Kloss. So she was a tennis champion who um, she's the CEO of Billie Jean King Enterprises. We're a tennis family. So um, I played tennis growing up too. (laughs) Oh, did you? Yeah. So she won. She won the US Open for doubles. She was used to be world number one doubles um, tennis player. But she said something I loved. And she said, it's feedback, not failure. And, and I love that. It's like, it's, I think failure has this connotation, like it's really bad, avoid it at all costs. Mm-hmm. So I think we do need to come up with a new way to look at that. Maybe a new word. I don't know. But yeah, I loved the idea of it's feedback, not failure that she shared, which I think really resonates with how that mindset shift that I had going, going forward. I think that, you know, over the last 10 to 15 years, with the way we access information has changed a lot. Like we have all these amazing podcasts, all these great guests. We have YouTube. And the way that we can learn about failure or mindset, I don't think that in the past, you could learn in the same way about these things. So it seems like future generations will not be viewing it in the same way that we are. And all of us are Mm -hmm. having to reprogram ourselves over time. But as part of the general conversation and general narrative, it's. I'm hoping that with all this information... Words like growth mindset, words like yes. feedback instead of failure, those won't be a thing that people are talking about 10 years from now. Right. No, I totally agree. I think a lot of times it's the fear of judgment or the fear of uh, fear of failure that are that's holding people back from making a move that will really serve them, that that will lead to them being much more happier, more fulfilled in their lives. And if they can get comfortable with the idea of um, just those setbacks that will happen. I think that people can really start to follow the path that'll make them a lot happier in their lives. Yeah, a question just sort of popped in my mind and I I don't have an answer, (laughs) but fear of failure versus self-belief. Like, are those on opposite ends of the spectrum or, you know, could you still have fear of failure while you have self-belief? Oh my gosh, 100%. So I think um, 
self-belief is knowing you're going to figure it out. Like you're going to, you're going to shift, you're going to adapt. You believe in yourself. You believe in your ability to figure things out as you go and to be able to take that feedback and make the necessary adjustments. Like kind of like you can handle whatever comes your way. And I think being in alignment with your personal mission helps with that. It helps you just feel like I've got this, whatever it is, but that doesn't mean that um, you're not going to have setbacks or that you can't, you know, something that you try doesn't work out the way that you want. So I think it's, um, they can coexist, but it's being able to shift and adapt, I think, as we go and as we grow and as we learn. Yeah, that's a great way to apply both and thinking. I can believe in myself and I can still be afraid of failure and I can still take action on the things that I want to do. Totally. So you've been doing your podcast. It's a top 1% podcast and has some incredible episodes. You have some of these two-minute motivation episodes. I think you do it every single week. How do you narrow it down to get it out in two minutes? I take the episode that I did that week with the conversation I had with the person and I try and pull one topic that we covered. So like, for example, like, feedback, not failure, right? I could take that and then I can do a two minute episode where I just highlight some of the main points around that. And I think the world that we're living in uh, with social media and YouTube and all this stuff, it's like attention spans, I think for some people are just shorter or they don't have a lot of time. So if you can get a digestible snippet, that hopefully can stick like you will, you're paying attention, you're focused, you're going to absorb it. That hopefully can help people um, go about their day feeling a little bit more inspired. So that's, the, that's what I like to do. I, I go into my episodes, just, I'm not very stringent with things with my episodes. So I'll kind of sit down and I'll just brainstorm for a few minutes, see what comes to mind. And then sometimes I'll do a few takes on my episodes before it, before it turns out the way I want it. Yeah, it's incredibly difficult for the listeners to to <laughs> narrow it down to two minutes, especially a big idea. And that is a special it takes a special work ethic or practice to be able to take a really big idea and make it as concise as you do. Oh, thank you. And you know another thing I I don't know if you experience this, but doing um being on social media, so like doing little clips on Instagram or LinkedIn, I feel like that's the same kind of concept, except with podcasts, then you're you're speaking. It's the the verbal. So that I think has helped too, just getting practice with trying to condense these ideas so that people are like, it catches their attention and they're excited to learn about it. I think starting a podcast is one of the best things people can do. And I mean, even if you don't continue with it over for, for the long haul, just for conversation skills, for the courage to reach out to somebody and maybe it doesn't yeah. work out, maybe it does. For you, what have been the take, biggest takeaways since starting your podcast? Maybe pick oh, like three or five. <laughs> I've learned so much. One huge takeaway was just the how important relationships are. And uh, that has been relationship building through my show and just in life. It's been pivotal for my personal life and my professional life. So just some of the opportunities as well that have come from building relationships for my show. It's been really amazing. So I think relationships, um, number two, I think trying to be or, or having practice being at ease with yourself, dealing or talking with all different types of people. So I know when I started, I think the first guest that I had on that was a, a more visible guest. I remember being all nervous and um, it just took practice to just remember like we're all just we're all people 
We're all in the same boat here. Some of us have different talents, different professions, different experiences, but going into it, um, I think just from a more level place of really just trying to get to know the person and approaching it with curiosity. So that's gotten better with time and just to be able to have those conversations and, and not build people up too much beforehand. I don't know if that makes sense, but just, I think sometimes if you, if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to be talking to a celebrity or, or, you know, it can be built up in your head a little bit versus like, I'm just talking with the person to find out about whatever it is we're going to be talking about and try and make sure you can get their insights that they want to share. So that perspective shift for me of just not building it up too much has helped me. So definitely relationships, that piece, what else with podcasting courage, takes a lot of courage, I think, especially in the beginning, it's gotten so much easier now, but I was so nervous with my first podcast episode, (laughs) so nervous. And that ties into the fear of judgment. What are people going to say? What if I get a really mean review? And that has gotten easier with time and just being able to be like, Oh, if they like it, amazing. I hope it helps them. And if not, I tried my best is what it is. Can't control that. So those are the three that come to mind. The fear of other people's opinions is a really uh, big fear for a lot of people. And you said over time, it's gotten easier. So what specifically has made that easier? I think repetition, maybe. (laughs) Just just, um, like anything else, practice. And recognizing that I'm doing the best that I can. I think self-compassion. I'm not perfect. Like you said, like, what did you say? Strive to not be perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, not trying to be perfect. I'm not trying to be perfect. When I first started speaking to, I remember thinking, oh, do I have to be like Tony Robbins? Or do Mm -hmm. I have to be like these speakers who are these like huge motivational speakers? And that's not my style. And I was talking with someone, they're like, you just have to be you. So that take the pressure off. It took the pressure off me just being like, all right, all I have to do is show up as me. I don't have to pretend or act like someone else to try and act like I know what I'm doing. (laughs) I can just show up as me. So I think it's time practice. And then just having that mindset of like, it's going to be what it's going to be. Like all I can do is control me and how I show up. That authenticity piece is so important, but so hard to practice. And my husband always says that to me, like if I'm doing a a keynote or I'm have a big podcast guest coming on and you know, you want them to like you and you want to come across, you know, as competent. And my husband's always like, just be yourself and it'll be fine. But sometimes it's so hard for us to be ourselves because we want other people to like us. And it's embarrassing for a lot of us to admit, I just want other people to like me, but we are a social species. And that, that wanting to please other people is really in there. Right. I think, um, and I heard this somewhere, so I'm not claiming ownership over this statement, but it was, you can want people to like you. I think everybody, or shouldn't say everybody, the majority of people, they want people to like them. That is natural, but it's that versus needing people to like you. Mm. So it's recognizing the difference. You can want people to like you, but if they don't, like, it's not like, I need them to, like, you're going to be okay. It'll be all right. So I think it's just recognizing the difference there and trying to be, trying to just have a good relationship with yourself and taking the time to dedicate to yourself, 
to be kind to yourself. And that helps think throughout this whole journey. And especially if you're looking to grow personally, professionally, you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to put yourself out there. You're going to be in new situations. You're probably going to say something that you'll be embarrassed about later because you were nervous. Like that happens. That's part of growth. And be proud of yourself for trying. Be proud of yourself for putting yourself out there. And at the end of the day, I think all of us, we don't need to take ourselves so seriously all the time either. Like the majority of the time, the other person has no recollection of what happened. It was no big deal on their end. We, we overanalyze ourselves and give ourselves a hard time much more than we need to. Something else that just came up when you, whenever you were describing that is that you said, get a little bit uncomfortable. And I think that a lot of people listening and just people in general are probably more open to physical discomfort. Like people will train for a marathon mm-hmm. for the very first time, knowing that it's going to be physically difficult to do that or, you know, a, a number of races uh, or, or whatever the things are that people are doing. But doing things that make people emotionally uncomfortable are a lot harder for people. Like even yeah. having a, a difficult conversation with a loved one about something where you're standing up for yourself or the emotional discomfort of not being perfect whenever you're putting things out for the world yeah. to judge. So, you know, what are your comments on managing emotional discomfort? You said self-compassion is one of them. Compassion and recognize that the a lot of these emotions will pass. So they're fleeting and learning how to handle strong emotions, like learning how to handle discomfort, I think is really important when you're working to grow personally and professionally because that social uncomfortableness or what some people have called imposter syndrome, like I've talked with so many people who are extremely visible and extremely successful in the in the sense of being like financially successful and um, having the visibility in the media space. And a lot of them deal with imposter syndrome or feeling uncomfortable in situations. So it's recognizing that that feeling is natural. It's normal when you're in a new environment, if you're feeling like out of your element. And um, for me, it's just been being proud of myself for, for doing that and for going for it. So again, it's that mindset shift of like, good for you. And it's okay that I feel this way. Like I used to be so afraid of public speaking back in college. I was terrified of it. I hated it. I would avoid it at all costs because of that feeling. And now I speak for a living, which is bizarre, but it, yeah, um, college, I love it. You, college you looking forward to now would be oh. like, what the, <laughs> what are you doing? No, it would, I would never have guessed. No way. There's no possible way I would have thought I'd be doing what I'm doing now, but that was a a process and it was learning to embrace that feeling when it is for the greater good of growth. And, and I think what helped me embrace that was the perspective shift of this is my one life. I don't want to not live up to my potential because I was afraid because I was limiting myself because I was worried what other people would think. Like, at the end of the day, when you're at the end of your life, like you are not going to care at all about those little details. Like, oh, that person judged me. Who cares? You know, it's more the bigger picture, the bigger perspective, which that has helped me make huge leaps in my personal and professional life just to be, just to go for it and and recognize that, you know, you're going to feel uncomfortable when you're pushing out of your zone whether that's public speaking, whether it's making new friends, whether it's, you know, it's trying to take on a leadership role in your career or running that marathon, whatever it is, like that's part of it. And so I think just, yeah, give yourself a pat on the back and keep going. And those emotions get 
comfortable with it and they will pass. You know, they're not forever. Yeah. Acceptance of the emotion, just saying it's okay on top of all the things. I want to pull on this opinion thread a little bit. So you mentioned that relationships are a big thing that you've noticed um, that podcasts have helped grow for you. In the Harvard study of adult development, relationships are the one, the number one most important thing for our well-being. But in terms of opinions, we don't live in a vacuum. There are other people's opinions that actually do matter to us. So how have you decided whose opinions matter other than your own? I think it's people that are in your inner circle, at least for me, that's for me, like my inner circle that my decisions are impacting them. So my family, you know, my husband, that, and then I, I think that's like, that's kind of my core. Mm-hmm. I'm not at this point in my life anyways, looking for validation from a bunch of other people in my life. Mm-hmm. College me definitely would have been looking for validation from everyone in my like friend group. And I'll, at this point though, for me, it was more tuning into myself, tuning into what I really want to do with my life. What's important to me, what's meaningful to me having that conversation with my husband, my, you know, my partner about like, does this make sense for our family, for our our lives together? So that's kind of where, that's kind of where I'm at, but I think it's really going to be dependent on the person and who, you know, what are they trying to achieve? What are they trying to do? And plus, like I was getting insights from other people when I first started a little bit, as far as like, I, I was looking for people who had had podcasts, you know, like what was their journey like? So it's not, I'm not saying I'm not getting anyone's opinions or perspectives, but more when it comes to like the core decisions, it was really, it came down to me tuning into myself and then um, my family. Yeah. And it sounds like the the core values is a huge leading driver for you. Like is what I'm doing in alignment with these values and the meaning and purpose that I'm trying to put out into the world. And if that, if that's in line, then the opinion of others doesn't really matter as much. Right. And then ultimately, you know, having, um, since I didn't have a business background, it's like, well, then it also needs to make sense from a financial perspective in the business model. Like that, I think was the aftermath for me. It was first like purpose and meaning and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And then it's like, oh, and how can I make money from this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> too? Yeah. And you I know, think so- that's a big thing for people. And yeah. for a lot of people, you know, they, they aren't quote successful in that realm. Like they will go after something that they're passionate about. And I think yeah. this is probably the more common story than not is People want to be able to make money doing the thing that they love. And then they realize, well, this is actually isn't working. So like, what advice or comments do you have for those people? Uh, I, I think that is so unique to the person. But um, like, like for me, it was a lot of trial and error. And I'm still like finagling that piece. Like I'm not where I want to be with that piece. Mm-hmm. So I think it's on my journey, it's really been learning and fine tuning and um time and growth and then also just like mentorship so talking with other people i see if i've met people or i've had people on my show where i'm like they're doing what where i want to be in the next few years and having the courage to ask them for their insights and their help and um, getting some amazing feedback so i think it's also being um courageous enough to ask and to try and learn and be open to trying things a new way. But um, again, relationships for me with that one has been really, really helpful. I think a lot of people really want mentors and they think, well, how do I, how do I get a mentor? Because Mm -hmm. from what I understand, it's not as simple as just emailing somebody that you just met and saying, Hey, will you be my mentor? So like, how have you, you know, grown these relationships so that they can be mentorship relationships? My podcast. (laughs) 
honestly, my podcast. It's been uh, people I've had on and then they've introduced me to someone. And then that's, it's just, that's really what it's been. It's been building relationships through conversations through my show. So I think it's um, when you're on a, a podcast with somebody, you're having some deeper conversations. Sometimes you're building connection, you're building trust. And then if you have the courage to then ask for help, or you, you continue that conversation on, I think that opens the door for more possibilities as well. That's it. Not everybody's going to want to start a podcast. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I think it's just depending on what the person is looking to do, but I definitely feel like maybe some networking groups or, um, there has to be some sort of like connection. I feel like to really be able to develop that relationship where people really care enough I mean, I don't know. I'm sure that there's different programs you can do, mentorships programs where you've never had a conversation with a person. I'm sure that's out there, but um, at least for me, it's been helpful to have some sort of relationship with the person first. Yeah, I know this is that's a really challenging question because it's very broad. And yeah. I, I think that a lot of us will think, well, I want like the best person who's ever done that thing to be my mentor, which that actually might not be an attainable thing. But something that's come up for me with mentorship is realizing that you don't have to know somebody for them to be your mentor. It would be a lot more helpful if they could give you direct feedback. But this is what this is. like You talking on this podcast, you're mentoring a ton of different people right now, even if they never meet you or never talk to you, because they might say, well, what's Crystal doing? I'm going to go look at her model and maybe I can emulate that like what you said you were doing. Right, right. And I know I've had people reach out to me now being like, or I've had PAs, for example, a PA be like, Mm. how did you get to do what you're doing now. And I'm always open to, you know, helping if people, if there's some sort of like connection there where I feel like, oh, I I see, um, like I was there at one point, you know, so I want to be able to kind of pay it forward and all the lessons that I've had, or I've had people reach out, like, how did you get into speaking or, you know, different things. Mm -hmm. So I do think that you can reach out to people and you never know, you know, people might respond and they might be really, excited and happy to help and share feedback. And then I do know that other people have programs and there's like business coaching programs. And I mean, on LinkedIn, I see this stuff all the time. So there are definitely things out there where where people can have support and help with it too. How do you manage time? Because whenever you own your own business, and this is something that I bump up against is you could literally work 24 hours a day and that's not good for anybody. So how do you manage the drive and the time balance with, I want to spend time with my family. I want to go for runs. I want to you know right. watch tennis matches on TV. <laughs> so it makes it kind of easy for me because I have committed to working to some extent when the kids are at school. And then when the, my kids are home, I make every effort to not be working. So I still like stuff will come in, like I'll respond briefly to things when they're here, but I, I really try and have all the other big chunky stuff done. Now that doesn't always happen, but that's really my goal. So my goal is to try and structure my day based on whatever it is I have to do or whatever speaking engagements are coming up. I have to prep for calls I have so that I can do it in that window when my kids are at school or at camp. And then I also I play tennis. So like I, before this, I was out playing tennis and then I know each day what I have to do. And so I just kind of slot it, which is nice when you work for yourself where, you know, I'll be doing interviews or recording certain times, speaking engagements. Like I know those are in advance, so I can prepare for those as needed, but it's really nice to have that flexibility. I feel very blessed. Like I can really arrange my schedule so that it works for our family. 
Yeah. And it also takes discipline and not in a negative way, but discipline to do the thing that you said you're going to do on your calendar. And you and I were talking about this a little bit um, on my end, like how sometimes I don't hold the commitment that I said I was going to do in my business because I let something else slide in. So, you know, how do you hold that boundary around some of the the hats that you have to wear and the discipline to make sure that you spend the time doing that thing? Oh, priorities. I think it's um, sometimes it, it's easy to put stuff off if I'm not as excited about it. I think that's just everybody. Like if you're if you're like, oh, I, I kind of have to do that. You know, it's not something My you're taxes, like. I can't wait to do them. Right. Like <laughs> stuff like that. Right. You have to organize like all that stuff that comes with having your own business. Like yeah. I know I will put that stuff off if if I have too much time. So I just, I put it in my calendar. I set the alert. I look ahead. I'm like, all right, that's the day. Now I'm not going to lie there. There have been times where that alert goes off. I'm like, oh, push to the next day. <laughs> but I, I know I have a good feel of my schedule where I know like this has to get done by this time. And I give myself enough wiggle room where I have the flexibility then where I know like if something comes up, I, I don't have to be stuck on like 100% have to do it that time. I give, I create cushion around um, those types of things. So I think it's knowing yourself. And if you can make it fun, that helps. Like if there's a way to make something that you don't want to do a little bit more enjoyable, maybe it's like, I'm going to sit outside on my patio and do it if you can, or, you know, I'm going to go get a cup of my favorite tea or my favorite coffee. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to get it done. But I think if I can just tie something I enjoy to that task, it makes it a a little bit easier too. I've heard you say on other podcasts that you love coffee. So to round this out on the light note, what's yeah. what kind of, what's your favorite coffee right now? Uh, you know, I have been drinking mushroom coffee for a uh-huh. bit. So Dr. Andrew Weil through my fellowship, he is a fan of certain kinds of mushrooms. Some he's not, some he, he likes certain kinds of mushrooms, not others. But mm-hmm. I've had the Four Sigmatic mushroom coffee mm-hmm. and it's called Think Mm-hmm. And it has a couple different kinds of mushrooms in there. And so that's what I've been doing. That's what I have in the morning. I don't have coffee other than mm-hmm. in the morning. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's been my go-to. But I'll switch it up. Like sometimes I'll do a little bit of mushroom coffee and then I'll go back to just organic something from the grocery store uh, mm-hmm. coffee. Nice. Well, where can people find your podcast and your website and learn more about you? Totally. So my website is uh, www.livegreatly.co podcast is called Live Greatly. It's available on all the platforms and I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. Sometimes I'll post on Twitter, but mostly LinkedIn and Instagram so they can find me there. And um, yeah, this has been super fun. Yeah. Thanks so much. I'm so glad you came on and it was fun to get to know you. Thank you so much, Sonia. Really appreciate it. That was such an awesome podcast. And I was so inspired hearing Crystal's story and how she just goes after the things that she really cares about. I am also going to be appearing as a guest on her podcast in the future. So keep your heads up for that. And I will also make sure that I send that out in my newsletter. If you haven't already, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and check out some other episodes that I have recorded. If you go to sonyalooney.com slash podcasts, there is a drop down menu that is categorized by plant-based nutrition, mindset, parenthood and pregnancy, and more. And you can find old episodes of our 300 plus episodes that might strike your fancy. Big thanks to my team that helps me make this podcast happen to Roma, my audio editor who has been with me since episode one and to Palm Tree Podco, who is dealing with all the show notes, the uploads and making sure that everything is shiny and well together. 
I'm so grateful that you are here. And as always, I'm with you on this journey of personal growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day. I'll see you right back here next week.